Hello, and welcome to At the Forefront FinTech Conversations. I'm Michael Kingsley, a Senior Vice President at Forefront Communications, and we're a specialized marketing and PR firm focused on the capital markets and institutional fintech sectors. Co-hosting with me today is Rafi Rieger, a senior consultant at Forefront. Hi, Rafi. Hi, looking forward to a great podcast. Thanks, Raf. And our guest today is Rizwan Awan, who is the president of Equities Trading and head of TMX Markets, products and services for TMX Group. TMX Group, of course, is the owner and operator of equity markets in Canada, including the Toronto Stock Exchange. Hi, Rizwan. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to have you here. Rizwan, as his title would suggest, leads the trading businesses of the Toronto Stock Exchange, TSX Venture Exchange, and TSX Alpha Exchange, and we're going to talk about some of those today. He also oversees products and services across TMX markets. So, Rizwan, thanks a lot. You have a very interesting background that brought you to TMX in 2020. You started your career in trading technology? That's right. Yeah. I basically got my start in building out trading technology. Uh, I started at a little firm called Investment Technology Group uh, some 15, 20 years ago. And back then, a lot of the stuff that we had to build was done from scratch. So got my feet wet building out a lot of trading technology back then. Over the years, got more responsibility, worked at a bank for about 15 odd years to essentially build out the electronic trading, program trading businesses at the bank. Last year, I got this opportunity at TMX to essentially go back to my technology roots and look at building products and services. So Rizwan, I I understand you also built some of the earliest algos for the Canadian markets. That's right. I was building some of the earliest algos to embrace the Canadian marketplace. Before that, almost everything was done manually. The market was just becoming electronic at that time. So it was the right time frame for the algos to kind of take over. Investment Technology Group was the firm that brought algos to the Canadian marketplace. Rizwan, I wanted to ask you, as someone myself who went from the brokerage side to work for an exchange, what was your experience of TMX prior to your arrival? And then what changed for you after you actually became part of the organization? That's a great question, Rafi. You know, as I looked at the TMX as an outsider looking in, of course, I was one of the clients being on the broker-dealer side. TMX was always viewed as this big and large entity, proverbial 800-pound gorilla in the room, so to speak. While they did a lot of innovative things, TMX's perception was that it was somewhat sleepy, a little bit slow at times in adapting to new technology or new features. Now, being on the inside, I can completely appreciate why that's the case. One thing that was unknown to me is like just how broad the TMX group is. It's really a collection of a lot of different businesses that come together. And then the second part that was an eye-opening experience for someone from the outside coming into the exchange group was just how heavily regulated the industry is. That's probably the number one reason why things take as long as they do because of the regulation and the amount of scrutiny that goes on over every single decision that gets made. So, you know, as I look back now and look back at some of the criticisms that we might have had when I was on the other side of the fence, I can completely appreciate and understand why. That's great. And I think it's very interesting that you were the choice they went with coming from that tech background. And I think that speaks as, you know, TMX is our client as we get to know them better and better. You know, we really see this priority placed on technology and building out the infrastructure. So could you speak a little bit about how your background kind of matches with that, why TMX turned to you for this role? You hit the nail on the head that technology is very, very important for TMX. I often joke we're really a technology shop that happens to run marketplaces, but that's not that far from the truth, right? So they needed in this role to kind of look after all the products and services, they needed 
two key skill sets. One, you needed someone who understood clients, understood the marketplaces. So I had that background coming in, having worked at a bank for about 15 years, was one of TMX's clients. And then two, perhaps more importantly, someone who understood technology and understands exactly what it takes to build something and what some of the uh, pros and cons are behind each decision that gets made. So it's not just the technology aspect of it, but it's also how it applies to the end client and what it is that we're trying to achieve. So that mix of the two, I think, was a sweet spot. And that's why uh, TMX turned to me. That's great. And And I think, you know, as we sort of shift here to what's going on at TMX right now, the new market on closed facility that was announced in October really kind of ties into the things you're talking about there. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what it means for TMX? Yeah, the market on closed facility is one of our core infrastructures that we have on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It's been part of our staple for 15 plus years. A couple of years ago, the industry decided to come together and try and modernize and revitalize the market on closed facility. The old facility had had a good run, like, you know, spent about 15 odd years in the marketplace, but it was time for a change. And by change, really, there were a couple of things that we wanted to achieve with the revitalization of market on closed. We wanted to provide more transparency to uh, the street in terms of how the facility operates. And then two, also standardize ourselves with global markets, making it easier to attract foreign capital coming into Canadian markets. We don't want to leave any impediments to basically transact in Canada. So to help promote Canada, it was felt it was important to essentially bring and revitalize the new market on closed facility. As I look at the new market on closed facility, it launched in October. It's early days right now. It's been about a month, but I must say the actual implementation and the facility itself has gone off without a hitch. The facility has been live for about a month. It's operating as expected. We've had tremendous positive feedback from clients, even within the one month that it's been live. You know, one element of it, as we've been talking about it, is that it's designed to mitigate volatility and help prevent unexpected price and imbalance movements. That seems to be something that's particularly top of mind for the markets in 2020 and 2021. How does that play out for the facility? And what were you thinking when that part was built? Yeah. So as we think about the new facility, one of the key features in the new facility is the added transparency. What the added transparency does is that once the imbalance basically comes out, which is at 350 now, the old facility used to be at 340, it provides further indications to the audience, basically the investors, on what is going on inside the facility. Now, because of that added transparency, there's more eyes looking at how the market is going to close and how the imbalance is shaping up. And because there's more eyes looking at it and there's that transparency, you have this opportunity to mitigate some of that volatility before it actually hits the final print. So that's what basically has happened and has transpired. We've looked at the stats. Again, it's early days. It's been a month. But even in these early days, we can see that the volatility is actually reduced in the closing moments of the day. Rizwan, you talked about the priority of globalization and getting the world's eyes turned to Canada. And I think the Montreal Exchange's New Asia hours are an additional kind of proof point of that. So it's the same products team that basically brought the Asia hours, the extended Asia hours and the market on close facility live. We are operating across the different business units holistically now after the reorg that we had earlier this year. So as a result, you know, whatever we do on the derivatives front is influenced by what we do on the equities front and vice versa, of course. But the key point here, you know, as I think about what we're trying to do going forward is to make ourselves easier to access basically promoting the Canadian markets on a global stage. We've got the MX hours, the Asia hours, which is extending our hours from 
essentially from European to include Asia as well. So now we're open at 20 and a half hours on any given day. That came live in September, and that's been a great success as well. We've, we're starting to see new investors come into the Canadian markets that previously perhaps would not have been there or perhaps would have overlooked the Canadian markets. So that's working. But in the same vein, we want to also make sure that it's not just about the hours. It's also about standardizing our technology. And as we standardize our technology, the participants that are used to operating in the U.S. markets, which is obviously the dominant marketplace on the planet, they're able to plug and play into the Canadian markets without too much of a lift. Where our goal here is to bring together all the various players and make it as easy as possible for them to access Canada. Rizwan, you mentioned the breadth of the company, and of course, that includes TSX Dark. Before I ask specific questions there, can you talk a little about the evolution of dark trading in Canada, which has been a little different than here in the U.S.? Rafi, that's a great question on the differences in the dark markets. You know, as I look at the Canadian dark markets, they're quite different than the U.S. dark markets, and that's primarily due to regulation. As I look at the U.S. markets, they're north of 50% of the volumes that basically transact in dark. In Canada, it's a fraction of that number. In fact, we're in single digits when we look at the dark volumes in Canada. It is because of the regulatory differences between the two markets. The U.S., the dark markets, you're allowed to trade at the touch, which essentially means you're allowed to trade on the bid and the offer before clearing out the visible book. That's a major advantage that the U.S. dark markets have. So if you think about all the various dark marketplace operators, they essentially get first look on any trade that takes place. Back in 2012 in Canada, the regulators decided that, okay, you know, we're going to approach this from a first principles perspective, and we're not going to allow the first look behavior that occurs in the U.S. So the rule that was changed was essentially to make sure that dark trading goes to the back of the bus honor the visible marketplace, someone that's basically sticking their neck out and helping with price discovery gets the first look. So visible marketplaces in Canada get a first look. And once you've exhausted the first look on the visible marketplaces, that's when dark markets basically come into play. Alternatively, if you still want to trade in dark, you have to provide meaningful price improvement in Canada, which you know typically translates into like half a penny. So as a result, when I look at it in contrast to two markets, as I said, the U.S., over 50% of volume transacts in the dark. In Canada, that number is in the single-digit percentages. They're very different markets when it comes to dark. Is that an opportunity for growth when it has that lower market share? Or you know, in light of how the regulators operate and how you view TMX and the Canadian market more broadly, is, is that ideal that dark liquidity and dark transactions should be on the lower end of the market share? It's an opportunity for sure. The answer of the right amount is somewhere between the single digits that we have and the 50% plus that the US has. So we do look at it as an opportunity. And there is a focus at TMX to make sure that we are doing everything we can to promote that space. Because at the end of the day, we have to think about why clients want to transact in the dark. Sitting on the other side, when I was a broker dealer, the value proposition of trading in the dark, regardless of the extra cost or the disadvantages, if you will, on how dark operates, it was still a valuable form or mechanism for us to transact in. It helped mitigate any information leakage. So, you know, you're able to transact without actually having to disclose your size. Typically, the average trading sizes in dark were a little bit higher than what was available in the visible marketplace. And then perhaps the other one was around the ability to know that you can actually get a transaction done in the dark without fearing a quote fade, which is at one point in Canada was a fairly significant problem. 
So there are benefits to trading in the dark, and we find that that's an opportunity for us to build on. And that's why some of the new work that we're doing for next year is going to build on. Some of the new work that you've recently done with TSX Dark involves some new order types. And what I found particularly interesting is because you don't separate that book, that kind of makes you the first exchange group to offer conditional orders, or at least they can interact with orders on the exchange. Is that correct? Yeah. So we have a very different take on conditional orders. We launched conditional orders just recently in November. Our conditional orders, the one benefit or the one advantage that we have is that it's tightly integrated into our visible book. So there is no extra holdup of any orders. If there is a matchup that occurs, we're able to transact and seamlessly move orders in and out between the actual full depth of TSX liquidity, as well as what's happening in the conditional books in, in the dark. Conditional orders, globally, they're nothing new. They've been around for a number of years. In Canada, they're still somewhat unique and somewhat different. But I look at conditional orders really as a building block to something bigger and better, right? Conditional orders, in my mind, are no different than having, like, say, a limit order. Why did we do conditional orders if it's that commoditized? Well, again, it's a building block to something bigger and better. And that's where our focus is going to be next year, is as once we've got this conditional order layer done, what other value-added features can we build on top of it over the course of next year that truly differentiate us from our competitors? That's great. And, you know, TMX Group really is diverse in its offerings. And in the last episode, we talked to Luke Fortin, who's CEO of the Montreal Exchange and Global Head of Trading for TMX Group more broadly. We touched on the TSX Venture Exchange, and I wanted to get into that with you a little bit, specifically how it's emblematic of how TMX is really trying to promote the American audience's recognition of better pricing in Canada. So can you talk a little bit about, within the framework of what we've talked about so far, how the TSX Venture Exchange fits into that vision for TMX Group? Absolutely. And I have to say, like Venture, TSX Venture, of course, is one of the gems that we have. It is something that's on an enterprise level differentiates us and is one of the uh, value propositions of listing on the TSX is really promoting those junior companies and providing them access to capital without having to go the full route of a full-fledged senior listing. Now, as it comes to trading on the venture, obviously, as you can imagine, the sorts of companies that are listing their darlings of the retail world, they're the ones that are up and coming there's a lot of potential in these companies. So naturally, they have a higher upside in terms of their growth potential. So retail typically gets attracted to a lot of these venture securities. Rizwan, when you're talking about the appeal of the companies on TSX Venture for the retail audience, I think part of that is in the nature of the kinds of businesses they're in. Can you tell, there's some of the most popular businesses for retail investors. Can you tell us a little bit about what those are? That's right. And, you know, as you think about venture, the small cap names that come up in Canada, one of the biggest segments that we've seen growth in is essentially in the technology sector. If you think about Canada historically, Canada has been known as a metals and mining and energy marketplace. If you think about how that's changed over the last little while, technology has overtaken those sectors, which five years ago, you know, if you told me that, I would have said that there's no chance that that will ever take place. So Canada has become a little bit of a hotbed for technology and innovation, and we are starting to see that in venture names, in fact, even in our senior markets, reflecting the sorts of companies that are coming to marketplace right now. It's an area where, you know, if you think about the corridor between Windsor to Montreal, for example, it's dubbed as Silicon Valley 2.0. There's a lot of good universities, a lot of very good technology talent that's coming out through the pipeline there. And it just makes sense for a lot of these startups to make Canada their home base 
as they think about bringing together a startup. So a lot of these companies, you know, as I mentioned, they're basically showing up on venture and that's been a big, big growth area for us. If I was to look at proportion of volume that's retail oriented on venture, it's much higher than your traditional blue chip stocks. The difference is, as I think about TSX venture and I think about retail transacting in the TSX venture, essentially there's a big difference in terms of how the U.S. market accesses Canadian markets. In the U.S., essentially all retail order flow for the most part is essentially bought off by wholesalers in this mechanism called payment for order flow. What that means is that every retail order, before it ever hits any visible marketplace, is essentially transacted against or is taken off by wholesalers. The end broker-dealer essentially gets a small rebate as a result of that. Why that matters for TSX Venture? Now, if you think about TSX Venture, most of the companies, in fact, almost all of them, are not interlisted. They're not listed on the U.S. marketplaces. However, if you think about how the U.S. retail ecosystem accesses the Canadian marketplace, what ends up happening today is that if a U.S. retail client wants to transact in a venture stock, they essentially get wholesaled or essentially their order gets executed on an OTC market, which then basically means that their order is wholesaled away and a market maker essentially takes control of their order. That order never really hits the Canadian marketplace up north. What that means in terms of price improvement and the mechanics of the order, we did a study on this last year. And over the course of the last 12 odd months, including the, you know, the whole retail bloom that we had, we found that there was approximately a little over $100 million worth of savings that the U.S. retail could have garnered had they come directly to the Canadian marketplace. This is after accounting for FX transactions, after accounting for all the fees that would have taken to go directly to Canada. But because there is that intermediary, the wholesaler that sits in between, because of payment for order flow, those savings were not captured by the end retail investor. So we feel that there is an opportunity here to educate the U.S. retail client that, hey, if you're looking for best execution and you're looking for the ability to transact without this extra friction, it's perhaps in your best interest to come directly to where the actual flow is, which is in Canada. So that's a lot of exciting stuff that's going on at, at TMX right now. But let's talk a little bit. We're recording this almost at the end of the year, at the end of 2021, and want to talk a little bit now about what 2022 and beyond look like for TMX Group and TMX Markets. There's absolutely a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of very interesting projects that we're looking at, both things that get us out of our comfort zone, as well as you know optimizing our existing businesses. Let me give you a couple of examples, right? Like as I think about the evolution of markets and I think about our place in the ecosystem, we're basically a marketplace operator. doesn't matter whether it's equities, derivatives, or any other asset class. We want to be able to build markets for where there is demand. So one of the most natural sort of areas for us to expand into and look into is in crypto. Crypto is obviously a big focus globally. We were the first marketplace to launch ETFs on crypto. Again, on the back of that, we also launched some options on those ETFs. So we've had a number of firsts here in Canada when it comes to crypto. And just the crypto space in general in Canada is fairly mature when we look at it from a global context. So our next steps is basically what else could we be doing in the crypto space, whether it's looking at launching futures to help our clients manage and mitigate their risk a little bit better, or even getting into spot crypto, giving our end clients, our broker dealers access, again, you know, coming back to the whole concept of a plug and play access into the crypto world without them having to put in a significant amount of infrastructure lift. 
So crypto is a very interesting one. We have projects on the go there. We're looking at other developments in even things like sports betting. We've seen NASDAQ get involved. We've seen a few of our other competitors globally look at that space. It is early days in Canada, but based on some of the regulatory changes that are coming down the pipe or that have taken place, we feel that there is an opportunity over here to build a marketplace to mitigate some of the risk that's associated with sports betting. I'd be remiss to you know not mention our existing markets. Obviously, everybody goes after the shiny new object. There's plenty of interesting projects that we're looking at in alternative space, but we do have two wonderful businesses that we feel there's a lot more value that we can add. In the equity markets, you know, as we look at projects for next year, one of the key focuses we're going to have is around building out quality orders. And what I mean by that is essentially focus on delivering order types that improves the end client's execution quality, something that's tangible, something that's measurable, so that when they look at TMX and the order types that we're coming to markets with, they want to transact on TMX because it helps improve their execution quality. And last but not least, you know, as I look at the derivatives marketplace, perhaps one of the most underserved segments of the Canadian marketplace in general in derivatives has been the options marketplace. Last year, because of the retail boom, you saw the U.S. options market just explode in terms of the amount of liquidity and the volumes that took place there. Canada didn't enjoy the same amount of uptake, and our market is still fairly, fairly early in its development. So we have a very large project basically focused on the options market to make sure that, you know, how do we get the retail experience to improve on options? How do we bring more retail into trading in the Canadian options marketplace? So stay tuned for that. There's a lot of work being done on that front. Before we wrap up, I also wanted to ask you sort of bigger picture about a transformation that's underway at TMX Group as you look at how the entire enterprise functions and that you're trying to mirror that to the way your clients function. Yeah, as we think about what's transpired at TMX and how we're positioning ourselves for the future, one of the key things that we are changing and adjusting is to go from a business unit approach to more of a functional approach. We went through a reorg earlier this year, and part of what we did in that was that we transitioned away from the classical equities, derivatives, business unit lines, and restructured ourselves so that we're looking at ourselves through three different functions, which is namely sales, products, and operations. All the other business units fall within those three categories. What that allows us to do is essentially align ourselves with our clients and how our clients think about their business. And it brings together greater synergies across the board. Like we're basically thinking of products where they're interconnected between derivatives and equities and other asset classes that previously would have probably gone amiss or probably would not have been even on the radar. It also helps us understand our business a little bit better because there are definitely nuances that touch all the various different asset classes. That's how our clients are viewing us. That's how our clients are operating. So it made sense for us to essentially service them better by aligning ourselves with them. Really exciting 2022 in line for you guys. We're looking forward to seeing how it goes and we'll have you back on to talk about how it all turns out and what you're looking at into the future. So thank you very much, Rizwan. We really appreciate your time today. This was a great discussion. If you'd like to learn more about TMX, you can visit their website at tmx.com or use the command tmxgo on the Bloomberg terminal. And if you'd like to learn more about Forefront, you can visit us at forefrontcoms, that's C-O-M-M-S dot com. Thanks again, Rizwan. Thanks, Rafi. And thanks very much to all of you for listening. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks.